What's up, y'all? This is Ramel Watley, and welcome to Truck and Hustle, the podcast for trucking entrepreneurs. If you want to learn about the trucking industry from the business side of things, you're in the right place. Every week, I interview the people who are making it happen on a daily basis. I get them to share their successes, their failures, and sometimes even their secrets. The goal is to show you how you too can create financial freedom in the booming trucking industry. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. You gotta survive. You, you, you gotta survive. You gotta survive. Like, yeah. like, it's like a big secret in there that only the people in there know. And once you get there, now it's time to learn. There's nothing on Google. Right. There's, there's nothing on YouTube. Yeah. There's no directions on the port because things move so much. We'll, we'll go 10 minutes up the street for $650, $700. Can you explain why that is? It's just because I'm not moving my truck for less than three hundred dollars. <laughs> like, what am I right, doing? Once the truck moves, you it is what it yeah, is. Yeah, like I'm not moving my truck for less than six hundred dollars. Turn my mic up. For you, take this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, on the road to the riches. Life takes a toll like bridges. Good friends become foes and snitches. Better watch who knows in your business. business, business, business. Alright, Hustle Fam, Hustle Fam, we are back with another amazing episode. It's your host, Ramel, and I'm here on location in the big, beautiful Texas uh, with my new friend, Mrs. Ashley Williams Booker. Did I say that correct? Yes, you did. All right, beautiful. (laughs) So today we are going to talk about surviving intermodal. Intermodal. This is a topic that a lot of people have been reaching out to me to get more information on. They want to learn about the space. They want to learn about intermodal, learn about drage, especially with everything that's going on in the global economy right now. So I think this is going to be dope. Ashley really does this in real life. She does her thing. Um, We connected and she has a wealth of information and I can't wait to start the show, man. So first of all, welcome to Truck and Hustle, Ashley. Thank you for having me. For sure, for sure. All right. So customarily, you know, before we get into the trucking, we got to kind of get into the backstory, right? Because everybody started somewhere yes. to get where they're at today. I so did. let's get into your backstory. Tell me a little bit about, you know, yourself coming up and, and starting with where you're from. Well, I am from Houston, Texas. Uh, my family is from Lake Charles, Louisiana, but I've been living here since I was six or seven years old. Um, I started off as a teacher and I went from teaching to having an interest in trucking, but my father was actually a trucker and he had a fleet of trucks, but I I was never interested in it. But I had a friend that called me one day and he was like, Hey, you're a hustler. Let me go ahead and teach you how to dispatch. So he taught me how to dispatch his box truck. And I was like, well, can I put other people on this to make some extra money? I didn't understand how percentages work, like how you were supposed to charge the 20 percent. But he kind of taught me that. And within a week, I made like eleven thousand. And then the next week I made like thirteen thousand. But he was so upset that I was making so much money and he was restricted to he only wanted to go to Houston. Austin or San Antonio. So okay. he wasn't willing to go like to Dallas and a little bit further to make some money. So he was only making $3,000 and I was making all of this money. So he kicked me off his authority. So I was like, okay, fine. I'm going to figure it out myself. I'm going to get my own authority. Okay. Got my own authority. And after that, it that was, was it. it. That was, was it. It was lit after that. <laughs> yes. It was all right. Lit. All right. Cool. So that's kind of like a quick like synopsis of how you kind of got into the game, but we mm-hmm. always start from the beginning. So you said, St. Charles, Louisiana, you moved here when you were about six, five, six, late Charles. Late Charles. Mm -hmm. All right, cool. So tell me about your childhood. Tell me about coming up in Houston. 
Well, I went to Westville High School. Um, How was Westville High School? What's the, the was it mixed? Like, what's the? Uh, well, when I went there, it was a mixture, half black, half white. Now it's all black, okay. <laughs> black and brown. Like okay. I said, black and brown. Yeah. But I graduated in two thousand four. I went to Prayer View. Um, I had a child, so I had to leave because I had a relapse. I fell asleep on the freeway, woke up under a truck. What? <laughs> yeah, but I survived it. <laughs> hold, hold on. You said you went to Prairie View? What's that? Prairie View A&M University. Okay, so that's, yeah, that's college. your college. Yes. All right. And so you, you sped through that. What happened with the... What happened? <laughs> so I, my, my advisor, I was pregnant when I went to Prairie View. So I selected that college because I was pregnant, but I was offered like... I had so many offices. It was crazy. Okay. But what does pregnant have to do with the college? Is it like... Because when a- you have a baby, you, you're not... Well, back then, you, yeah, you can't really stay there. You okay. can't stay there with a newborn baby. Got you. So, so you, I you had weren't, to stay close you had, okay, got yeah, you. to Houston, which is Prairie View, right? Got it. So right. I went to Prairie View and my advisor, she was like, you're never going to be able to stay here. After you had that baby, you might as well just call it a quiz. You're not going to graduate. So I tried to prove her wrong. My baby ended up coming during Christmas break, which was perfect for me. So I had a C-section. A week later, I would try to go back to school after having a C-section. So I was working 40 hours, newborn baby. His father really wasn't doing anything. So I was doing everything by myself. And one day I was just super tired driving back to Houston to go get my baby after I got out of school or work that was in Prairie View too, which is an hour away. And I fell asleep and I woke up under a tree trimming truck. The truck had cut the car from the front of the car all the way up to the windshield, like the blade. It split my car in half and it stopped right where my face was at. And when I woke up, I woke up with a blade, like just churning on top of it. It was, it was crazy. I was like, my mom was like, absolutely not. Getting out of college. I don't care what you got to say. Go to HCC, which is the JUCO or, uh, um, what is it? Junior college? Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, I don't want to go to a junior college. I'm going to prove her wrong. I'm going to get my degree. She was like, absolutely not. You're getting out of here. So she withdrew me because at that point, at that time, you know, when you enrolled in college, you're still a dependent under your parents. So yeah. they control your financial aid. She withdrew me. And that was it. So I started working. I was like, I'm not done with this. Back then, you needed a degree to do something. So I enrolled in Texas Southern University. And that's where I uh, received my bachelor's degree. Okay, and what'd you receive receive your bachelor's in? Um, I have a major in uh oh Lord. I have a major in management and a minor in accounting. Sorry. Okay. It's been so major long. in management, <laughs> minor in accounting. Yes. Okay, cool. All right. So you get your degree. And what was that college again? Um, Texas, Texas A&M? Su- no, Texas Southern. Texas University. Southern. The Texas Southern University. Okay, okay gotcha. <laughs> yeah. how, how was college life? You said the, so I'm assuming the. it was lit. Um, No, actually, Prairie View was lit more Prairie than Texas. Okay. Texas Southern, I was an adult. I was a mom, and I was just going there to get my degree and get out. Okay. So I I did hair. Um, I did it all. Just I worked at Comcast, which is now Xfinity. I did it all just to get through college, just to get that piece of paper that I didn't even use. Mm. So I ended up being a teacher right after that. I worked in Alden District, and then I went to Kip, and I stayed at Kip for probably about three to four years. And I realized that I don't like this. I don't like people 
constantly being over me. You know, well, what's KIPP? Because I'm not familiar with that. KIPP is a charter school. Okay, um, they're, you got they're I'm not from the area, so well, they have one in New York, New Jersey. Oh, do they? Everywhere. All yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. You've heard of KIPP? Yeah. Okay. KIPP, KIPP public schools. They they're everywhere, and that's actually a good school. My son goes there now. Okay. I took him out of public school to go to KIPP. Those kids are super smart. Gotcha. <laughs> but I taught geometry at a high school level there for four, three to four years, and they taught me a lot. They taught me how to. Lesson plan to the T, which is crazy because I quit because I didn't want to write a lesson plan anymore. Right. And now that's what I'm doing for Intermodal. Ah, uh, <laughs> got you. Got, isn't that funny how it all comes together? Yeah, it always comes back. Like they say, you never know what you're going to use in school in your uh, future life. Yeah. But I'm actually using everything that I did prior to being in trucking now. Okay. Now okay. it's everything. Got I'm you. Using. All right. So how long are you there at KIPP? Three to four years. Okay. And after that, what happens? Um, um, I started working for Appreciation Financial. I was a financial advisor in the school district. So I went back to Spring District. I wasn't a, a teacher there when I went back to the school system. I was um, assisting teachers with converting their 403Bs to IRAs if they got out of the school system, or I was making sure they were on a better plan to accrue more money for when they did retire. Okay. And okay. from there... I got into trucking. Okay, so let's talk about that transition. So you go from working in finance, financial planning somewhat for teachers, mm-hmm. and then you get into trucking. So how do you make that transition? Talk about that. It was easy. I stopped doing this. Stopped doing that. <laughs> okay. Once I made that 11000 bye-bye. Okay. This is consistent. I can keep this money rolling if I get enough truckers in my head. So That's this goes back to the box truck story now, right? Yes, the box truck story. Now, how did, how did you meet this gentleman that put you on with the box trucks? And what was the exact relationship between you guys? So this was my ex. Yeah, this is my ex-boyfriend. We were on and off from the age of 14 all the way to 20-something. Okay. And we've... We, we figured out that we are better business partners than we are in a relationship. Sometimes Anytime like we that. get together, we make money, <laughs> big money. And I was, he just called me. He was like, Hey man, you're very resourceful. You're a go-getter. I'm going to teach you how to, um, he didn't know how to dispatch. It was actually somebody he worked with because he had box trucks that was running at Amazon before it was Amazon. It was like JW. I forgot the name of it. It was JW something before they acquired the Amazon account okay. everywhere. Um, so he was like, okay, I'm gonna put you on with him. Cause if you can learn how to dispatch when my trucks are not running Amazon, you can be running my trucks and make you 10 to 15% off of it. I was like, okay, I'm down, you know, extra money. So they taught me how to do it. And I was how, so How good. many trucks did he have at that time? It was just, well, my ex had like four, but the guy who taught me how to kind of dispatch, he had one truck and he was only willing to go to San Antonio, Austin and Houston. Okay. So I acquired Three more box trucks that was willing to go to Dallas, Oklahoma, Louisiana. And I made like 11K off of them. With him, I made probably about $400. Now, when you say acquired, this is you just kind of like networking, like meeting other truckers out there and saying, hey, I dispatch. Is that how that kind of happened? Actually, I went to the Amazon facility that my ex had his trucks running at. They seen my face. They tried to holler, but I was like, (laughs) no, I don't know. You have box trucks? Let me dispatch you. I have somebody who will let you run under your authority if you're not making enough money here at Amazon. So they gave me the shot. They gave me their number and I put them on. He allowed me to put them on his authority and we went from there. Okay, okay. This is your your ex-boyfriend's authority? No, he didn't the have other a, guy. the other guy. He who, was running under him, right? Yes. So your 
ex-boyfriend with the four trucks was running under the guy with the one truck yes. who had the authority. And then you start going out and scouting and grabbing other people to run under his authority. Yes. And my ex was actually working at Amazon at the time. He was like a manager or something. So he would control who got what loads okay. at the end of the day. So he made sure his trucks ran consistently with the postal services and stuff through Amazon every week. But he knew there was more money to be made when the when when the load stopped. Okay. So now 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 how how many trucks do you grow that to, to that you're dispatching the box trucks? So we started off with one. We ended up with like he three or four. It wasn't a lot. It wasn't a lot because okay. he shut it down. Okay. He he got so jealous. He was just like no. So, so he was jealous of every, the money everybody else was making. Yeah, but he couldn't make it. And I was using his broker at C.H. Robinson. So everybody knows C.H. Robinson is like one of the biggest brokerage companies out there. Yeah. I made a contact with a broker and she loved me so much. She looked out for me. She gave me whatever I wanted. I didn't have to ask her to up my pay. She was like, this is top pay. Just give me a little bit out of this, Ashley. Mm. She knew I was running under, other, under somebody else's authority. So she would keep us rolling. But when she found out what he did, she withdrew herself from him altogether. So he had to get a whole nother accountant because once you get to a certain level of C.H. Robinson, they give you your own personal broker. Right. Well, she didn't want to be his broker because of what he did to me. So I went and got my own authority and she walked me through how to get my own authority. Okay. Uh, the broker C.H. Robinson. So I went and got my own and she kept... The box trucks running. So my ex-boyfriend, he didn't want to do it anymore. He was to the point to where he was making like 30K a week. He was like, I don't even want these trucks no more. I'm getting into something else. He's a, what they call it? A serial entrepreneur. entrepreneur. He jumped from one. Opportunity. I'm like, okay, well, give me those trucks. Let me show Let me show you what I'm going to do with it. Okay. He gave me the trucks. One broke down. It was just a mess. But to make a long story short, um, I was running the trucks and my now husband we were in a dating process. He was actually a meter reader. <laughs> he used to read the little meters okay. for your water. Yeah, and stuff. yeah, okay. And I was telling him, you know, I'm in trucking and you don't make enough money. And, you know, you got to make a certain amount of money to be with me. So okay. come on over here to this truck and let me see you how to drive. I got you. But it was a box truck. I knew how to drive a box truck. You don't have to have a CDLA for that. So he started driving and we took turns. We'll take long routes like to Florida. And we went to Florida on Christmas Day. Like, we would take these routes just to get some money. And then, basically, to make a long story short, all of the trucks went down except one. Okay. So, I was to the point to where... All right, guys. Truck and Hustle has now partnered with Transpo CFO, powered by Venning. Transpo CFO offers a streamlined monthly subscription for businesses to consolidate their accounting, payroll, and tax needs into one flat monthly rate, saving businesses a tremendous amount of time and money while making their financial operations much smoother for the long road ahead. Check out Transpo CFO in the description below and tell them Truck and Hustle sent you. Now, let's get back to the show. I was in over my head. I didn't manage my money right. In trucking, you cannot, you don't have any profit for the first five to six months. You don't have any profit. Everything that you're making needs to go back into your business or get ready for that breakdown because it's not if it's going to happen, when it happens. There you go. I wasn't prepared for that. So I was on the verge of losing my authority. So I did a couple of routes, got my little money up to last me, and I found out I was pregnant. And I was like, oh my God, I got a. What? I got a 16, a 17 year old, a 13 year old, and I'm pregnant. I'm almost done. I was just heartbroken. Okay. So I, um, I basically, um, broke the, 
it's like a little form that you can send into FMCSA, FMCSA to relinquish your authority, which was a big no-no, but I didn't have anybody else to tell me that, hey, you could just reduce it down, your insurance down to the lowest amount, pay that and keep your authority because if you try to get it again, you're going to have to start all over. I didn't know that. But I just did what I thought was right so I wouldn't lose it based on not being able to pay my insurance. Right. So I let my authority go, um, pregnancy, and I actually, I started working for CPS okay. after I had my baby. I, okay. started, I forgot about that job. I started working for CPS right after I had my baby for a year. But then I started my authority back up while I was at CPS because I hated it. I just did it just to, you know, get through. In the interim. Yeah. And I, I just couldn't. It was just too much emotional. Okay. <laughs> like, so, I couldn't so, do it. So with you the sold kids. all the trucks? You like, What'd you do with the trucks? Yeah, they were really his. He just let me. He was just letting you use yeah, them. Yeah, it was okay, like his because I don't you, want you. them no more. But got they all you. broke down except one. So, so what didn't I didn't matter anyway. You couldn't. It, do and that then order. I ended up getting a rental. That's what it was. I got a rental, and the rental amount was more than what I was making. It was just. It was too much overhead and I wasn't making enough. So I was going to lose it due to not being able to afford my insurance. So I let my authority go. Um, I worked for CPS and then I was like, no, I miss trucking. Like I miss the freedom I had. So I reestablished my authority. It only took two weeks for it to come back up. But this time, no more box trucks. It was okay. too much of a headache trying to get measurements. Who's going to take this? Who has a partial load? I came into the 18 wheelers and I called my ex again because that's my money maker, right? <laughs> right. I called him. I said, "Hey, I'm I'm about to start up my um my authority." He was like, "Well, I'm training." He was a personal trainer at this time. I'm training a chick that got um 18 wheelers and she does intermodal. You should talk to her. I don't think you got to buy any equipment, which is you know the drive-in and the flatbeds and stuff. So mm-hmm. I called her and she walked me through how to set up my um, company to be an intermodal. And at this point, at this time, it was during the middle of, um, it wasn't COVID. It was pre-COVID. But nobody was going to the auctions, right? right. So she was like, I just bought three trucks, $5,000 each at Richie Brothers. I was like, okay, well, I'm going to Richie Brothers in a couple of weeks. She said, you better hurry up because everybody's kind of getting on the wave of going to the auctions. Went to the auction. I got really, really cool with one of the financing people, but I had cash because I saved up my money from when I was dispatching. I never used it. So I got two trucks, paid for them cash. A guy called me from Richard Brothers. He was like, Ashley, I see you just restarted your authority back up. You have no business credit. You will have nothing going other than cash. Like you're going to need that cash to survive. Let me give you back your cash. For one of the trucks, I think I paid 19000 for one of them. I'm going to give you back your cash, and I'm going to finance this truck for you. Yes, you're going to have to pay an interest rate, but at least you'll be like building your business credit. And I said, okay, I need that 19000 anyway to pay my insurance deposit and all that other stuff. So I took it back, and it was, after that, it was over with. Okay. The girl um, who was supposed to be mentoring me, she just stopped answering the phone. Because I would ask, like, what do I do? I'm not afraid to ask a question. If I don't know it, I'm going to ask or I'm going to figure it out. But she just stopped answering the phone. She would not help me anymore. I didn't understand, like, how the chassis situation worked. She was telling me how to do the cricket way and the good way. And I was fine with that. Let me know both ways so I can decide (laughs) what I need to do. Right. But she just stopped answering the phone. So I really had to figure it out on my own. There was nothing on YouTube because everybody wasn't in a port like that. 
It was no congestion. It was just old heads that's been running the port since before time. Yeah. And, you know, they usually run for a big company and the big companies don't teach you how to do anything unless you work for them. So once I figured it out and I found out the method that works for me, I just took off from there. And I went from two trucks to three trucks after like four months and then to the fourth truck after a month after that. Into the sixth truck, like two every two months, I buy a truck. Okay, so now I'm at the point every three months I buy a truck. Same process through you auction. You get older trucks. Every auction. single one of my trucks have came from. Well, actually, not two of them didn't come from the truck. I I was d- dumb, didn't have any guidance, and I went through OTR, a leasing company. Okay, <laughs> to okay. get a truck, I never do it again. Okay. but I did it. I bought myself out of it though, so it worked itself out. Newer truck, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, still have the warranty on it, but the warranties don't mean anything anyway. But yeah, every truck I've bought, I bought the Richie Brothers, so now I have like almost unlimited spending power. My spending power is approximately two million. So if I call, they all the workers know me in Houston too. So when I come up there, hey Ashley, which truck you buying this time? I'll ask them to personally get my stuff together before I get there. They like they show me favoritism because mm. I buy so much there. Got you. And I have uh, special financing teams. Um, so a lot of people, they don't know that I don't buy my trucks cash up front. I leverage my financing option. And I'm going to be going over that in our May 21st class. Okay. But um, yeah, I, I leverage my financing options. So I'll finance it and I'll buy my stuff out of it in 90 days with no interest. So my truck that I bought actually pays itself off. I never spent any capital or any personal funds to purchase my truck. Mm. So I, I purchased it with financing and my truck pays itself off. As it buys the truck itself. Works, it buys itself. Yeah. I like that. All right. So we'll get back to Richie Brothers in that situation. I, I like that. Um, but let's go back to the very beginning. You have two trucks that you bought from the auction. Mm-hmm. Do you have drivers? Where'd you find your first drivers? Tell me about getting started. <laughs> you know nothing now. You're, you, you know what you want to do. You have an outline, mm-hmm. right? But where do you start? How do you find customers? What, what, what do you do? Tell, tell me about that. Bad in the beginning, man. Everything is trial and error, but I learned from everything that I did wrong. And I'm so glad it happened because mm-hmm. you can't pay me to do it again. Um, <laughs> I think I found them on social media. I just started putting up posts. And before I knew about Indeed, um, I think I found them on social media. Actually, one of my first drivers, he's still with me to this day. He's okay. been here for three, going on four years. Okay. So, um, yes, I found them on social media. We started with power only because she stopped answering the phone. So I didn't know what I was supposed to do after filing my UIA filing. So I I had no idea where to turn. Um, Who so were you running power only for? Do you remember? JB Hunt. JB Hunt? Okay. JB Hunt. Worst stuff ever and they didn't pay any money and there was a shortage in drive vans but i ended up finding this guy through my friend gabby she was an actual she um she drove trucks and she was like hey i know this guy who let you lease a trailer for five hundred dollars so i went to him and i got like two or three but they were crappy and i ended up forming a relationship with the guy um that i parked my trucks at so he he takes care of me to this day. That's shark trucking. So a lot of people heard of shark trucking um, flatbeds. Mm-hmm. He's like the home of the flatbeds in Houston. Everybody goes to him. But that's the, actually my mentor. 
Okay. He, he's my mentor. And it's really funny because he calls me his daughter. And he's white. <laughs> <laughs> but he calls me his... But I'm his daughter. And it's it's okay. Yeah. Okay, dad. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He showed me the game. He shows me... Like, he tells me if my drivers is no good. He showed me how to work on my own truck. Like, I don't know how to physically... Like, get it. I'm not going to do it. Even if I did know, I'm not breaking my nails. But (laughs) he showed me how to know what parts are bad and how to look for certain things and how to get around certain things. So now I'm very knowledgeable. When a breakdown happens, nobody calls roadside. They call me first and I tell them what to do and if roadside is necessary. But majority of the time, I can walk them through how to get their truck started again or how to hit their starter or how to crank their starter or how to, like, you know, fuses, like I can walk you through how to fix your truck on the side of the road because of what he taught me. And he also taught me how to structure my company in a way to where if a wreck happened, Jim Adler wouldn't come for my neck and take everything I own because my company doesn't have any assets. Even though I do have assets, I don't have any assets on paper. Mm. So you can never just take anything from me. That's why I'm very secretive with the, my, my company name, I do have a company name that's publicly known, but you'll never know my trucking company name. Mm. And the way that we have it set up is is so cool. Got I you. have my own factoring company and everything. Got you. Okay, cool. So let's for, for people who are novices and just really want to get into this space, into intermodal, mm-hmm. can you just explain what, what intermodal is and kind of how things work? When you're kind of running these intermodal loads, just for the, the new audience who just wants to know what you do. Okay, so intermodal um, is anything that comes in from air, sea, and rail. Um, I mainly do drayage that comes in from sea to the port. And I acquire the container from the port and I make sure they're on. We do the last run. So we make sure it gets from shipper, which is overseas, that comes through customs to the port and gets to the receiver. Or we do exports where we just go pick up an empty container that's owned by an equipment ship line and get it um, loaded at a shipper and then ship it back to the port to go through customs to go back to the customer overseas. Okay. Um, I do railroad too, uh, but we do more drayage through the port than railroad. But I am very familiar with all of the railroad companies in Texas. Okay. I've okay. done a lot of work for both. Got you. To get set up to pull intermodal loads, mm-hmm. what's the criteria? What does a trucking company have to have? Are there any special licenses? Talk about that. Um, of course, you have to have you know the general stuff that you need to be a trucker. It's U.S. Um, DOT, your MC, and your um, LLC, right. of course. But you have to have a UIA filing. You need to have your SCAT code. And that's pretty much it. Oh, and you have to have your insurance that allows you to go into a port. So there's a special filing with your insurance um, that you would need to be able to get the UIAA filing. Okay. So insurance, then UIAA Can filing. you explain what those are, the UIAA and the SCAT code? Uh, so the SCAT code is a unique identifying um, series of letters that identifies your, your trucking company. So when you go into the port... They don't say, for instance, complete logistics. The SCAD code would be CLPS. Um, when I go into the port, they don't say complete logistics. They, all you see is my SCAD code. That identifies you with the chassis company and the co- equipment container company and the port. So this is how they track 
how long you've had the container. This is how they track. If you have an account with a certain chassis holder, this is how they track who who you are. It's just basically putting an abbreviation over your company. Okay. Um, the UIIA filing is very in depth. After you apply, it's easy. To, anybody can get a UIIA account. But in order to be approved to go into the port, you have to have a certain insurance filing. And a lot of insurance companies, they don't offer it. So you have to select an insurance company that offers the UIIA filing. I go through an insurance broker. I don't go directly like through Progressive or nothing because Progressive actually doesn't offer it. They're a big insurance company, but they don't offer it that mm, filing. Okay. So you have to find someone who can um, get you in. And my broker, they set it up for me. I didn't have to touch it. I don't even know what it looks like to add my insurance on the UIA. Okay. Um, I actually have a renewal coming up in June. So every time I get a new insurance company or I stay with the same, they go in and they put the insurance for me and make sure it's done correct because you can mess it up like this. It's easy to mess up. Mm, do you know what the, like, the additional cost would be associated to add that to your ins- insurance? Um, It actually makes your insurance policy go up, but right now I pay approximately like $1,300 a trip. Okay. But then again, I've had my authority for longer than three years. Well, longer than four. This is my fifth going on sixth year. Right. Yeah. Okay. All right. Cool. So going back to the building the business, you said you started with JB Hunt pulling uh, power only. Yeah. C.H. Right? Robinson. C.H. Robinson. So you start kind of going through the, I would call that like, like the, uh, that's kind of like what everybody has to kind of do to get started, right? Mm-hmm. So how do you kind of grow from there? Tell me about that. Okay, so you know that well, back in the day, because right now it's a crunch for everything. So everybody's waving their little, you have to have your authority for six months but in order to pull. Well, <clears throat> back then they wasn't waving it. So <laughs> I just had to, every time I would talk to a new broker, they were like, They'll put me on different stuff or I would talk to other truckers and they would tell me, hey, have you went through this company to try and uh, pull for them? And I just went through the motions until I went broke. Honestly, mm. I, I hated it. Like JB Hunt, they're they're good and they're they don't pay. I'm not gonna even lie, they don't pay. They, pay <laughs> they don't pay enough, and then you have to search for their empty containers, and then they didn't let you, I mean, drive in, they didn't let you just keep them like that. If you wasn't using them, somebody else will come on your yard and just take it. I had so many people try to come and detach my truck from an empty JB Hunt drive in that they was going to use because a broker messed up and told them, hey, just go get it from her lot over here, which is a shared parking space that I was using the next day, but the broker messed up, so they'll try to come jack the the empty trailer. It was bad. I I didn't like it. I was barely making a profit with, I think I had at that time three trucks before I started back into Intermodal. Okay. Um, Yeah, I was probably making a profit of maybe like $3,000 a week. Oh, wow. It was bad. Okay. I was barely making ends meet. And I was like, oh, I'm not losing my company again. So I reached out to um, the trucking girl. Okay. Kiara. Shout out to Kiara. Yeah. Um, and she was like, well, if you're not making no money, then why are you doing it? <laughs> so I was like, okay, well, what do I need to do? And so she put me on with somebody she was affiliated with. And then we ran um, flatbeds, but it wasn't for me. And I was doing intermodal in between those power only, by the way. I was doing like one here, one there, but it wasn't consistent because the lows wasn't like that. We were in the middle of, I think it got slow during election year. Any, And that's another thing that anybody needs, everybody needs to know. During election year, freight slows down in intermodal, big time. I don't know why, but 
every broker that I spoke to, they was like, honey, it's election year. Right. You have to know that you got to have something else to um, do. So I'm, I know that election year is coming up. I'm going to have something else going on on the side because during election year, everything slows down because the laws can change like that. So I don't know. I don't know. I can't even give you the background on why it slows down. Right, right, right. But Kiara put me into a flatbed. I didn't like it. So I went back to home. What I knew best was intermodal and power only, but I hated power only. So I started to key into intermodal and the one of the brokers, she was like, Ashley, I really like you and I see what you're doing and you're a woman. And you're a, she was black too. She was like, you're a black woman and you're really doing this. I'm going to show you what to do. Okay. She was a broker of a brokerage company and she told me how to get more brokers and what companies to go to. Broker, that's a big no-no. Mm. You don't tell your carrier to use another broker. Right. I'm like, what? You're giving me this name? And she's like, yes. And I'm going to show you how to get more. She had me sign up for a certain website. The next day, I had over 100 offers to move freight. So I just started moving nothing but intermodal. I still kept her, though, because I'm a person. I'm a very loyal person. I'm never going to leave somebody that actually gave me the opportunity to grow. Right. So... I still kept a truck or two dedicated to her, even though I wasn't making as much as I was with the other people, but I still kept her around. Right. And I started running. And before you know it, I got put on a, um, a project and it was moving solar panels. And it was one of the biggest projects in Texas at the time. And I moved about 200 containers in less than a year. Well, not less than a year. It was less than like six months off of two trucks. So they put me on another intermodal project. Then my driver flipped over a container. Let's not get back to that. Ooh. Yes, my driver flipped over a, train, a container. He parked one of the containers in a rush because, you know, ports have time limits. You got to get out of there at a certain time. Driver parked it at a um, a fuel station, and when he dropped the legs and pulled out from under it, the ground kind of buckled because the container was heavy, and the container flipped over and landed on a yellow pole and put a hole in the middle of the container. Oh, wow. Yeah, that was like the worst time of my life. Now, I remind you, I've had perfect safety ratings, never had an accident insurance at its lowest. People can't believe I'm paying this amount in, in, in a modal, and he then flipped over a container with quiet is kept which is not going to be quiet anymore i denied it i did not flip that <laughs> container i don't know it came out of the port like that what are you talking about man right the broker was like ashley it couldn't have it did when you put i have the video and i'll show you later okay. on but okay. when they pulled the container up the pole missed all of the um solar panels but what we didn't know it cracked the solar panels so it didn't it fell on me I had to pay. It was $75,000 claim. It went on my insurance, but it, the low was worth $8 million. And Ooh. what I did not know <laughs> is the broker was not supposed to even have me on that because my policy only had $2 million at the time. Oh, wow. I wasn't even supposed to be on that low. So the brokerage company had to end up paying the additional amount that my 75,000 after the 75,000, my comp- right. my insurance company wasn't, wasn't covering, wasn't else. covering. And they went to battle for me. They was ready to put lawyers on the broker for me. I was so happy. And I still, to this day, I did not do that. I don't know how that whole got there. They came from the point, <laughs> man. They pulled cameras. It was like, wait, don't look. Well, that camera is blurry. You can't even see where the hole is at. And it, luckily the camera, it was raining that day. Oh, wow. It was a water. It was a, 
drop of water on the camera. So they still to this day can't prove that it was a hole. Oh my god. That gosh. was coming out. I was that was like the worst time ever. I cried every day. I was like, I'm about to lose my company. <laughs> I was so stupid. I was so mad. And I didn't fire him. And that's been the longest standing driver I had. Yeah. <laughs> like he he never made that mistake again. But that was that was crazy times. Oh wow. <laughs> I'd have some stories for you when it comes to flipping containers because we have done it. I, I I could imagine it, it happens. It happens. Safety first, man. It's crazy yeah. out there. Not on the road though, just in parking lots. Okay. <laughs> just good. in parking lots. That's a good thing, at least. Yeah. Um, so go going back real quick to the 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 woman who kind of helped change your life and your trajectory, what she give you access to a website or a list of, of brokers? Like what was it? I know you're not gonna probably tell us exactly what it was, but what what was this like a directory like that she gave you? Yes, or? and if you come to the class, you will get it. Okay, but yes, okay. it is a directory. It's a um, it's an intermodal directory. It's where every broker in the United States can find your trucking company that belongs to whatever city and state you belong to. And what they do is put you on a list and you start see you start receiving offers. To this day, I receive about, because I've been in it for so long and my, my scat has ran through the port so many times, of course I get the top offers, but I get probably a, approximately like a hundred offers every two days to pull a container. So if you have no work in this, in the world, if you're on this directory, you're going to have at least one container to pull. It may not be what you want to do. It may not be the place where you want to go, but you're going to have something. Right. And you could possibly be at home the same day because they have so much stuff running to Oklahoma and I'm in Houston, Texas. So, you know, they have stuff running to Dallas, San Antonio and stuff. You'll, you'll so, get so this directory is like a game changer because typically you have to f- find, find customers, brokers. right? Yeah. But in this setup, they're finding you. Mm-hmm. And then they don't just find you. They send a list out to everybody. And you may call and say, hey, I want to take this load that you just offered, but it's not there anymore. Kind of like DAT and everything else. And they'll say, okay, but I got some more containers because right now, remember, it's congested. Like it's an overflow of containers. So they're going to give you something else that you can do. And now you have a working relationship with this broker. If you're polite and call them back and just ask them every day, hey, do you have something else? If they tell you no, don't worry about it. You got a hundred more emails to yeah, go, to go through. through. Yeah. Are they fair on price? How does that work? Or do you have any negotiation room or flexibility? A broker will be a broker. You okay. have to know how to negotiate. Okay. And you have to always keep up with the, the latest um, rate. Because when fuel start fuel went up, these brokers wasn't trying to give you no money. You had to literally, I had to call the person who I have a long standing relationship with and tell them, hey, right now the FSC rate is 46%. I am not moving for less than $4.50. And in intermodal, it's not how much you're getting paid by the mile. You have to break everything down. And if you don't know how to break down your rate or quote, you will fail. Can you get into that a little bit? Some of the things you want to look into to break down your rate? Yes. I know that's in the class, but like a little sneak I'll peek. get in a little bit of yeah. it because it's general stuff that you should know. You should have your FSC rate, your line haul rate, your chassis charge, your chassis charge, your um, your split fee. A split fee is if you're going, if you're picking up, a, if you're going to the railroad and they don't have it on the chassis. So that means you have to go to, I'm sorry, one okay. place to go to another place. Um, so that's a split charge. Um, you have to have your layover fee, your detention rate. Everything has to be broken down. The easiest way to do it is all inclusive. And during the class, I'll be going over my formula that I use to stay afloat. But the main thing that a person needs to know is how to quote a chassis. I get so many people that want to run under my authority and say, oh, I can do this because 
you know, they get emails saying, oh, I can give you this load and give you this load. Can I give you a perfect example of what I mean? Sure, please. And I think everybody's going to be able to agree and they're probably going to study this for a very long time. Let's get it. I received an offer for $2,500 going to Dallas. It's a round trip. I say, yeah, I'll do that. $2,500 because in drive-in world or flatbed world, after you're done, you get your $2,500, you're good. Pay your fuel, you're done. So you accept that $2,500. <clears throat> We're going to act like this is a import. So that means the it's come a container that's already fully loaded. You're picking up from the, um, well, actually an export. Let's just say it's an export. So you're going to pick up a container from the port and you're taking it to your shipper to get it loaded and bring it back to the port, right? So $2,500, get there, you get it loaded. You go ahead, if you have a factory company, you know, you get your money real quick. Send them that BOL. Send them that ticket showing that you picked up the load and your rate con. You got your $2,500 in your bank account. Okay. Got paid $2,500. Well, you get back to the port the same day because it was a good Dallas run where you left early enough to where you made it to the port before 6 o'clock to return that loaded container to get back on the uh, boat so you can be done with it. You get back to the port. They tell you, oh, your book enrolled. What do you mean my book enrolled? You cannot turn that in. So you call your broker Hey, they saying I can't turn it in. Oh, well, you didn't look that up before you went? No. Well, I'm sorry. You're going to have to find somewhere to hold it. That's your responsibility. Everything in that freight is an insurance claim waiting to happen. If it's stolen, it, you break anything, the seal is broken. Breaking a seal on a customs container is a big no-no. Like, you you can get fined. You can go to jail for that. Right. So, um, yeah, okay. So, the book enrolled. Okay. Which means got, that now the 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 appointment time is now the next day, right, or it, or, or whenever. Well, the booking roll it can't get on this ship. You're gonna have to wait till the next ship comes. So the next ship don't come for a week or two. So now you have to have find somewhere to store it. Well, that's cool. I got three parking spaces, right? I store it in that parking space, but I want to run tomorrow again. Same thing happens, right? I do it again. Well, this booking you can return this export. Okay, cool. Let me do it again. Well, this booking has rolled too, so you got to store it. So you see how your parking spaces can be used up. Okay, now the the booking date, the return date, the ERD, um, the early uh, release date has came. The LFD date has came. You can return it. I return this container into the port. I'm done. I got my my little seven five hundred. I'm good. Well, ten days later, I receive an email saying your SCAT CPLG or whatever it is. Um, you owe $1,700 in per diem charges. You now owe $2,200 in chassis charges because remember, if you're using at least chassis from the port, there's a 20, I think it's $28 a day. It differs in each state. Yeah. $28 a day charge. Now you have two bills that's worth that $7,500 that you just got paid for. You made no profit. And if you don't pay it in 15 days, we're going to shut you down. Mm. You can't even come back into the port. Yeah. And don't let you make a mistake in the port. Don't let a driver go out of the gate after because the you know how they have the up and down handles? Yeah. The handle was up. You left out of the gate. Okay, that's cool. You left out of the gate, but you didn't talk to the customer service rep. They get pissed off and say you stole the container. Now you got HPD, Harris County Police Department, <laughs> on your butt talking about a stolen container. You shut out of the port. Your company can no longer come in and now everything you worked hard for is gone. Mm. So you have to be trained. You have to know what you're doing before you just jump into drainage. Because if you didn't quote that lane right, you're not going to get paid. 
So if you would have took my May 21st class <laughs> or read my Surviving Intermodal book or yeah. took my online course, you would know that in the beginning, before you even took that load, you got it understood with the broker. Hey, I'm charging $35 per day for my chassis charges. You are responsible for all per diems if I cannot t- return this container under that booking at the proper time before they start um, charging me per diems. And this is where having a team comes into play. Because if it's just one person, you're going to get overwhelmed. You're getting all these invoices a month later. If you don't have a system set in place, how do you even know which load is you went on? Like It's a whole month later. Do you remember what load you ran a whole month ago? So you have to have some type of TMS system or you can use the free template that I provide in my class that I'm going to give out to everybody for free. Um, You can use that template and go back and search your um, the load that you was on a month ago and get that payment paid. Because what happens is they let you run for 30 days. And after that 30 days, they shut you down and you can't go back in. So now you've been running these consistent loads for so much money, but you don't have any money left because you're spending it all on invoices. So your truck can stay running. Mm. It's like so much stuff that goes into drayage and you have to. You have to do the pre-work before you get to the good part. So as long as you set yourself up for um, success in the beginning, you never have to worry about failing in the end. You have to quote right. That's the major part of failing and drainage. People are not quoting their lanes right. Got you. Got you. So much to unpack there. You just now broke down a lot. Yeah. And and, and I want to like kind of touch back on some of it. But before I do that, I want to also talk about drivers. How do you pay your drivers? Are you paying percentage hourly? What's your strategy? What's your methodology for paying drivers? That's a big struggle. So you can. Some people pay their drivers. I know some intermodal companies that pay their drivers by the hour. But think about intermodal and the congestion. You can be in a portfolio six hours waiting on the crane to come through. So you just paid your driver six hours and you didn't even get the load done because not a warehouse is closed that you had to go deliver to or get pickup from. You can pay a mileage. That's what I'm going to now. Okay. Um, by the mile because I was paying a daily rate. Um, my drivers make anywhere from eleven hundred to about fourteen hundred a week. Uh, because of what I do, I can afford to pay them a lot more. And you know, if you pay well, you keep them for a little bit longer. That's and I appreciate everybody that. You know, was employed for uh, employed by me. They they love me. I haven't had a person that just wanted to leave yet. I have to kick them out the door. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. But um, I do by the day. But then they can mess over you too. They know my drivers know we run a um, we run the same thing every day. So they know if they leave the port by eleven thirty, they gonna make it to where they need to go. Well, if they got somewhere to go because they want to go hang out or go get their kids early, they'll stall. In the port until one o'clock, knowing that their warehouse is going to be closed and it take them three hours to get there. Mm. So they'll do it intentionally so they don't have to go. But I still got to pay them their daily rate because they technically work. Right. Well, not no more. We we do a mileage pay now. You're going to get paid by the mile. And it's not by the mile in the truck because you're not going to go the long way on me. <laughs> we have a mileage sheet that we give our drivers. This is how much, like, say, for instance, we're going to Louisiana from, from the yard to the port to Louisiana. Back to um, the yard, this is 350 miles. This is their mileage for the day. My dispatch keeps up with everybody's miles on a daily basis. And they still average out the amount that they had prior to us switching to mileage. So nobody loses a dime. This just makes the driver more accountable for completing their work. Because you can't get paid for doing nothing. And that's sometimes you get drivers that 
feel like they should be paid for doing nothing. Yeah. They, so, so, well, go ahead. They just spoiled. That's okay, it. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> so, so typical operation is like drop and hook. Are you waiting at the receivers? Are they, how late do they open? Do some of them, are they appointment times? How does that kind of flow? Um, we stay away from appointments because we know that our drivers are spoiled. Our drivers are very spoiled and it's my fault. I paid them a lot to do a little bit of nothing, <laughs> but they're very loyal. And if I say one word right now, everybody in their bed at home on a Sunday, they're going to come for, they're going to come get whoever did it to me. There you go. They, they're really loyal. <laughs> but um, we, we stay away from appointment times because a lot of things can go wrong in the port. Unless it's pre-pooled, we will not do an appointment because you can go to the port and you can literally be there for three, four hours. You're going to miss that appointment. So now you missed your money for the day. If you don't have any backup, or if you're a smaller company and don't have as many contracts as we have, you're not going to have anything to put in the place of that. And I have no trailers. I have sold every trailer that I have. I am power only. I don't own nothing except a couple of chassis and trucks. Okay. That's it. Okay. So when you're when you're booking those loads, you always look for loads with no appointment, open appointments to where you don't have to get there at a certain time. Is that what you're saying? I don't book loads. Yeah, I, I, uh, I have dedicated work. So okay. not I have con I have five to six um contracted lanes. Okay. So we have work every day and even if my trucks don't go, I get paid regardless. Okay. So okay. if say for instance they were due to go to Louisiana, which my trucks go to Louisiana every day. If something happened to the freight, like they couldn't produce it at the plant um to load the container or the container is not available at the port because the port they do run out of empty containers a lot. We do a lot of exports. I get paid regardless. My driver gets paid to sit and do nothing, but we don't ever let them sit and do nothing because I have other accounts that we run that always have an overage amount. So I'll be like, okay, they're going to go. Well, my dispatch team will put them on another lane to help out the other driver. So the contract is based on moving a certain amount of containers during a certain time. Like, how are you getting paid to not do anything? Like, what, what's, the, what's the stipulations? If something happens, it's not our fault. Okay. We get paid for it. It's kind of like a tunu um, truck order I use. Okay. But it's a, we call it a dry run. Okay. Okay. Got you. So you said you have dedicated dedicated freight. So every day your drivers know what they're doing, where they're going, so forth and well, so it's, on. Well, it's changes. Or, or it's different locations within that contract. So I have five or six lanes that I run. Okay. With different companies. Okay. So on, let's just say... Three drive. I have four drivers is dedicated to one company. Sometimes this company runs out of the product that they have to ship in those containers to go to the port. So when that happens, I still got other lanes that my other trucks are running on that they can help out with, or they can take a couple of those because I have a certain amount of containers that we have to fulfill within a week. So what they do when I do work with brokers because we're so good and we're so organized. They don't have to micromanage us and send us one order at a time. They send us all their work orders for the week or sometimes the month, and we just make sure it gets done mm. before the boat pulls off. Got you. So we'll just, hey, you go do this to speed this up so we can take another uh, project going. How typical is that type of operation for someone who's getting into intermodal? How long would it take them to be able to be in position like you? It's not hard at all. Every, every well, not every. I had two lanes. Just like how I have it now, I get paid regardless if my truck move or not. I had two of the two of those lanes through a broker or average broker. It's just all about how you quote, how you talk, and 
the relationship that you build. If you're organized and intermodal and you have great communication skills, that's all they want is communication skills and being organized. They will make sure you're good because they don't want to lose you. It's hard to find a good carrier in Drayage. Nobody wants to do it. To be in the port, you have to be very aggressive as a driver. They just like, I get so scared when I drive, go with my, um, cause we do a onboarding. Like our driver has to go through a full week and a half of training before we let them loose in the port. Yeah. When I go in the port, I get so nervous. I just put my head down because like they just in and out. It looks like a whole bunch of snakes just going through. <laughs> they cut you off. It, right. You have to be an aggressive driver. You can't let nobody skip you because a crane going to go past. So it takes a special person to deal with the port. And brokers know that a lot of people don't like to deal with the port because of the the time that it consumes too. And sometimes the load just doesn't go through. That's why they have this new thing called congestion fee. That's another thing that you need to quote, a congestion fee. Because if you quote that and you get stuck in the port, at least you get paid something. At least you get your fuel back versus not getting anything at all. Right. But, um, yeah. So, 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 so basically what I'm getting at is, you're you're never in a position to where you're you're looking for work. Once you have that contract secured, or anybody who's getting into this space, once they have that that relationship with that broker, they have work every day, pretty much on a on a daily to weekly basis. They can pre-plan what they're doing, and they're not in effect searching on a load board or looking for freight. That that's not how it works here. That's just kind of what I'm getting. At. Yeah, that's not how I work. But if you're new in the game, like if I was mentoring because we will have a mentor option, I will put them on that um directory that I was talking about. They will get in contact. I will let them talk or I will talk for them and then they'll just have to change up their voice. Hopefully it's a woman and <laughs> not a man. <laughs> right. But um I'll show them how I you know get a relationship with this person. And if they don't work out or they don't have any work, we always have three more brokers that have something. The port is too congested for it, for you not to have nothing to run. Now, it may not be what you want to run. You may want to run longer or you may want to run shorter. But for the most part, I have my trucks have never been over the road. I have never experienced being over the road. Except one time we went to Arkansas and my truck broke down in Arkansas. And I was like, never again. Because it's, it costs too much money to get your stuff done over the road. They know you're far away from your truck, so they can charge you whatever, and you can't do nothing about it unless you're gonna pay two, three thousand to get it towed back to your your home state. Right. So I'll never do it over the road again. But it's some people out there that want to do long hauls for port. But what the thing about being in drainage, wherever you start is where you're gonna finish. If you start in Houston port, I don't care if you go to Alaska. You even though it's not possible. You you got to come back to Houston Port. Right. You start where you finish. Right. Can you, so so basically cuz you're returning the container it's back round to that, trip all back the time. Port. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, got you. All right. So for again cuz I'm I'm people are trying to get into this industry so I'm mm-hmm. asking some questions to kind of make people understand. Mm-hmm. All right. So what are some of the other um the other things like like you said when you're in that port it's scary you're zigzagging around all that what are some of the other scary things or things that uh make people afraid of of getting into this space like what what like explain to me just like the like the the daily operation like once you're in there like the driver checks in he has to go here he has to just explain that whole that whole process to me that's what they don't like they don't understand. Once the driver checks in, where do I go? Right. Because there's no directions. Right. You have to know. And the 
I'm just gonna be real. The customer service reps, I hope they don't see this video, but the customer <laughs> service reps, they're rude. Like you, you wanna fight them sometimes. <laughs> they are so disrespectful and they'll hang up on you so quick if you don't know what you're doing. You have to figure it out by my drivers. When I first started, I used to tell them, hey, get out the car, just go flag somebody down. Somebody, somebody'll tell you something. And you really gotta find a driver that's cool that'll tell you where to go, what to do. But the biggest fear in carriers is not knowing what to do because nobody gives you directions. And unless you know somebody that's in the game, you won't know what to do. You'll just have to go in there and try to figure it out or flag down another driver that knows what to do. And hopefully they're nice enough to stop and tell you, or you can get a crane. Well, not the crane operator, the little maintenance people that drive around in the truck. They might tell you, they maybe, maybe they will tell you. But yeah. That, and, and that's scary because every time I talk to somebody about intermodal, they always say the same thing. You got to tell the driver to ask somebody else what to do. Mm-hmm. It's like you you almost can't tell your driver what to do. They got to find out when they get in there. Mm-hmm. It's like you get in there and you're like in this jungle, in this world, and you got to figure jungle. it out. Mm-hmm. You got to survive. <laughs> you you got to survive. You gotta survive. Like, it's like a big secret in there that only the people in there know. And once you get there, now it's time to learn. There's nothing on Google. Right. There's, there's nothing on YouTube. Yeah. There's no directions on the port because things move so much, especially in the Houston port. Um, Bayport just acquired 200 additional acres on top of what they already have to build out empty lots. So usually the empty C lane that will, it's called the swing line where you go get your empty taken off and then go get another container. It's not there anymore. It's on the other side. How are we supposed to know that? Right. <laughs> like it is no way to know unless you're in there all the time. So what I've done, and I don't know if I was supposed to, but it's done now. You can't take a bet. Yeah. Uh, we took a camera in the port. I, I, that's what I was gonna say. Somebody have some type yeah. of, of like graph of what's going on here because it's craziness. Yeah, we recorded the drivers step by step. So when our drivers come in, we have a live footage of what you're supposed to do from step one to the end. Right. So on my interactive online course, when you get to the part to like, how are you supposed to get in, navigate? Even down to the part to getting your container loaded, there's special hand signals that you're supposed to know in order for that container to be dropped. If you don't know those hand signals, the crane will skip over you. They're in the air. They're almost 50 feet in the air. How are they going to talk to you from up there? So you have to know the hand signals. And if nobody stops to tell you, it's over with. I went in the port. I have a tweet card. I went in the port with my driver on the first load that we did, and he was scared to ask. So I asked. And because I was a female, you know, I had on the right outfit, I guess. Everybody was like, hey, little lady, hey, tell me how to do it. Yeah. Okay. And we got it now packed. So it's nothing that you can't tell me about the port that I don't know. Yeah. I know the hand signals. I know where to go to get stuff for free. I know how to get stuff quick. When the crane doesn't come, I'm not like everybody else. They already know my company name. Dang, she calling again. Or dang, here she go emailing. What lane you on? We sending the crane to you. Right. So I have priority in the lane. Even, I know one of the biggest companies, I don't want to say that, just one of the biggest Dre's companies, I just took one of their top customers. Mm. And we start next week because of my resourcefulness. And not having to depend on drivers. We know our drivers know when something go bad, call dispatch. Dispatch gonna get it done. If dispatch can't get it done, call Ashley. She gonna really get it done. If I gotta go to the port and knock on the customer service door, I'm going. I don't know where it's at, but I'm gonna figure it out. <laughs> right, right. And then like you sometimes you have to call in and then like they don't get back to you. They don't it's craziness. It's like yeah. But when you've been in it so long, you know what numbers to dial. You know who to call. Mm-hmm. 
And that's the difference. It's just all a matter of having that network and being able to to move. We've been in so many crazy situations with late gates, rolling um, containers. We even have direct access with Maersk, Hapag, Ultra Network. We have the the biggest equipment handling companies. We have their direct information. So I had, uh, and this was given, I'm giving a little something without trying to give you what's coming up on my yard. But I had a major um, equipment handler contact me for my yard to use it as um, storage. So it's all about relationships, being nice, polite. You don't have to snap on everybody. Even when you, even when it doesn't go well, just keep it cool because you never know what this person can do for you in the end. You cannot burn bridges in intermodal, especially in Houston. Them ladies, I'm telling you, they are, oh, they the worst. I don't like them, but I'm their best friend when I'm, when I'm on the phone with them because they can ban me. If they get mad, they tried to ban me before. Yeah. Driver went out of the exit gate, took the, he came back. But they called HPD and they was like, you're banded. You can't come back in. You stole our container. I'm like, dude, <laughs> the gate was open. He didn't know he was supposed to get a ticket. You knew it was right there. You seen the camera. Why you just didn't say, hey, sir, what do you need? Come over to Intercom. But they do it just to see if you're going to leave off. But that driver just really didn't know right. that he was supposed to stop. So now this is why we don't let our drivers go in the port unless they have full training. Mm. They have to go through the training video. Three days of in the truck training with somebody else. So they're driving and somebody that's skilled is in the truck with them. Then they shadow for two days after that. It's a lot of stuff that you you can't learn in one or two days. Even after that, you're still going to call over and over because you're going to be confused. Got you. All right. So you said your operation is usually within a hundred mile radius, right? For the most part, hundred mile, 150 or what are you Mm, doing? Well, Yeah. I have some stuff. I have my longest haul is Fort Worth, so that's about three hundred. Okay, so that's a little longer. miles round trip. Okay, and then um, my consistent run is to my hometown, Lake Charles, okay. um, Louisiana. So that's that's quick. And then the other stuff is Houston based. Yeah, it's quick. And we do a lot of driving picks. That's the easiest way to survive in drainage. If you want more money and don't want to wait, always ask. Is there explain a, what that is for us? So a drop and pick lane can make you way more money than sitting there waiting on somebody to live unload and load. So what we do is get either an empty or an import. We drop it and we say, we're going to be back. We go back to the port and get the next load to come do it again. So say for instance, that lane was paying a thousand dollars. Why sit there for two or three hours just to wait for you to load or unload it when I can go to the Port and get back, and you're done unloading or loading that. And now I have the next one. Now I made two thousand. Okay, let me go bring this one back, and I come back. Now I made three thousand. So dropped and picks is the way of the game in mm. Intermodal. That's how you increase your revenue. It's just like multiplying containers. You just go into the same place multiple times, but you're you're using your time effectively. So, and then sometimes it doesn't work like that. We have a lot of drop and pick lanes where it takes them two to three days to unload, but still we'll drop three of them there. So when you do get to unload, that's a $3,000 a day versus just one for a thousand. Got you. And this, in this current climate now, based on like the kind of the miles, miles that you travel, what's like a range of what you're getting per load? You don't got to say the exact number, but like give I'll us a, you. an idea. Um, I don't. So right now the rates are up. We don't accept anything lower than like 
four four dollars and twenty cents, maybe four fifty. Okay. Um, the highest, my local, we don't. My locals, and I know that y'all gonna be like, what? <laughs> my local, I think we make about eight dollars and fifty cents a mile. Mm. We'll we'll go ten minutes up the street for six fifty seven hundred dollars. Can you explain why that is? It was just because I'm not moving my truck for less than three hundred dollars. <laughs> like, what am I right, doing? Once the truck moves, you it is what it yeah, is. Yeah, like I'm not moving my truck for less than six hundred dollars, and that's just what it is. Like, that's just me because I have experience and I have, I have something to offer. Mm. Like, when a broker approaches me, they're not just getting their load moved; they're getting consistent communication. They're getting tracking on their loads. They're getting a system that they can tap in and change. Like we don't give them that option because they they'll mess it up. But I have a TMS system where they can go in and literally change their numbers or send me or the dispatch a note and we can change it really quick. They can see if their load has dropped, if it's ready. They can actually, instead of calling me, don't call me 24-7. Go on our system, say, put in the load number and say, okay, this is available. Go pick it back up. You dropped it two days ago. It's now ready. You don't have to call us. And it pops up on my dispatch side. And now dispatch is able to say, all right, let me schedule this driver to go pick this up and we can get our money. Because technically what people don't know in Drayage, this is how a lot of companies fail. Depending on what type of relationship you have with your factoring company. If you don't have a factoring company, you ain't got to worry. You're going to have to wait 30, 45 days anyway. Right. But if you're dealing with a factoring company, you are not supposed to collect payment until the the load is complete. Your load is not complete when you get loaded or when it's unloaded. Your load is not complete until that container is out of your possession and returned in. So if you have a container or um, your 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 entry to, I'm, I'm sorry, you have to return your export back into the port and it has rolled for a week or two, you're not supposed to get paid until... You turn in that loaded container. What are you getting paid for? The 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 run is not done. Right. So how do you survive if everything has rolled for a week or two? What are you gonna pay your drivers with on good faith? You're you're not gonna have no drivers for long. So right. you have to know the good way and the bad way. I was taught the the bad way first, and then I learned the good way. Okay. But I learned how to leverage both. So if you get a relationship with your broker. They'll look out for you. They'll tell you up front, hey, this is rolling, but this is not going to roll. It engaged by this day. Go ahead and do these first, and I'll try to push this load back because this is not going to engage until next week, and you can't get paid off of it anyway until it engages. So let me make sure your money is rolling and it never stops until, mm. you know, we. it's all about building relationships That's but then you way. also got to know what you're doing you need to know how to look at this system and know that hey before you even accept this load oh this booking this booking don't go back until this time i can't do nothing with this or it could be an import where the booking is not the problem is nobody's going to accept this empty because they're full on empties and there's no depots that's going to accept it until two or three days from now so now you got per diem charges that's coming um i think biden passed some law last year where he upped the per diem charge and it falls on the trucker now, yeah. not the company. I guess it was a way to make sure the truckers return the empty containers and could turn their, their shipments in so it wouldn't have a stop, like a, a, I guess a shortage. I don't know. 
I don't know what he was thinking, but it's <laughs> stupid because now I get all these per diem charges. Like right now, I probably have about thirty six thousand dollars worth of per diem charges to do by the end of next week. Mm. But because I know what I'm doing, all of it's paid. I don't even care about it because I know it's gonna be paid for. Every chassis I have, I never, I, I, I don't pay for chassis. So technically, I don't need anything except the truck. I can buy my own chassis, but I don't like to because dropping picks, somebody else can pick up your your privately owned chassis and take it. Right. And then you got to try to find it. I don't have time for that. I'm going to use your stuff. So if somebody take it, it's going to engage and the interchange is going to change anyway. And I won't be held liable for it. But because I quote right, my brokers not only pay for my chassis, they give me like $10 extra on top. There so so I don't never turn my chassis back in. So if it has to sit on the yard because my legs load don't come in until three days later, it's paying for the days that it's just sitting there. Got you. Got you. Is there any uh, with with fuel rising? How has that impacted your business? More money. Just more money. You're just charging more based on fuel costs. Are there any fuel surcharges? Like, how does that work? Or they, or they say you 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 take care of fuel and that's just that you got to quote that into your price. No, I quote that. Sometimes you can say all in, but I quote it separately so they know what they're paying. But a lot of the um, Dre's companies, what they're moving to now is not letting you tell them how much you want them to pay you for um, Dre um, fuel. They have a chart. They have a fuel surcharge um, matrix, and I'm like. That sucks because, you know, of course I'm going to overcharge for fuel. <laughs> right, right, Why right. Why not? Little in the baggy, little in the purse, you know yeah. what I'm saying? But now they have a matrix. They keep up with the national rate and stuff. So it's like, dang, okay. Right. Send me only your line haul, Ashley. That's what tell me. Send me your line haul. Send me your chassis fee and your, all your other charges. Don't worry about the fuel. That's fine, ma'am. I'll hike up that line charge. <laughs> if you want me, you're going to come because they know we offer... Uh, we have a lot of trucks, so right. we will be able to, you know, offer a little bit more than person with one truck, two trucks. You're only going to get two containers move. Where in with us, you give us that little extra hundred dollars. We can move some, some work for you, you yeah, know? <laughs> yeah. Got you. Okay. So where, where is the business now? So bring us to like the current status, you know, trucks, you know, how many guys you got running daily? Just give us an idea of what um, you're looking like today. Okay. So I just bought two. And then I have 10. So we have 10 um, company owned trucks. We have approximately about, a, it depends because they come and go. A lot of people don't like the port. So we're just going to say 9 to 11 owner operators. Um, we do a lot of local roads, lo- loads. So we don't need a lot of trucks to complete our projects because you can do three in a day versus just doing one lane a day. Um, I went from not having nothing, not knowing how I'm going to pay my insurance. And I love her so much. And I'm always going to mention her name, the trucking guru and her team, uh, Kenny. She really helped me and Teddy. Um, They kept my spirits high. They even prayed for me. Like Mm. during the times that I couldn't pray for myself, like Kenny said on the phone and literally prayed for me. And I love her for that. But I thought I wasn't going to have it. She was like, you're going to get back right. And then Teddy was like, well, just stick to what you know. It's going to come back. And I went back to intermodal, so I went from being broke to basically bringing in more than like three three point five million a mm. year. So mm. Ashley, everybody know Ashley in Houston. Well, the people on the north side know Ashley. They call me Big Head. Don't say it out loud. <laughs> big Head, Ashley, little Big Head, Hustling and Ashley, that made it. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, but I, yeah. but I'm very humble. I give back a lot. So 
I, I pay myself just like a, a, I don't even pay myself as a driver. I pay myself as an office worker. So you will never know that I have that amount because I don't use it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I, rainy days is coming. I think because I lost my company due to mismanagement of funds. So you can't pay me to blow my money now. Right. I'm so tight. I'm, I still shop at Walmart to get my tights. Look, I, I, look, don't tell me nothing about rainbow because I'm going. Yeah. I might find me a couple outfits in there. I am so cheap. Now, I splurge on my, my family and my kids and my mom because you only get one. Yeah. So I make sure that they're good and we do vacations. But I'm very frugal because I know that hard times come and go. Like this COVID stuff, nobody knew that that was going to happen and hit us hard. It was actually a blessing for me because he was giving out money like he was nothing. I wish, never mind, we're not going to even get on politics. <laughs> but, but you know, I loved it. But um, I didn't love it for the people that, you know, I lost in my family and stuff. Yeah. But yeah, you ha- you have to manage your funds correctly. If you- Mismanagement of funds and trucking is the number one thing that like, Kicks people out of the out of Gets the race. Of business, yeah. yeah, you have to make sure that you save, 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 save. And I I struggle with that because I felt like, you know, it was a lot of people that was there during my hard times. Even though I always found a way, like I didn't have so many companies. I didn't had probably about four LLCs and all type of crazy stuff. But I had so many companies. But it was so many people that like believed in me and purchased from me before I got to trucking, I always felt bad if they asked me for something and I didn't give it. So I found myself just like, I'm like, why well, I don't have no money no more. Right. And my sister, she was like, hey, you got to learn how to say no and be okay with it. It's okay to say no. Right. I'm like, well, I don't want nobody to dislike me. That's my biggest thing. That's why I'm scared to like network. Now I'm getting out of my comfort zone, but I'm scared of people saying, oh, she a scammer or she this and she that. It's so many people out here really scamming. I don't want to fall into that category. Like now when I help people, I put I put paper behind it. I'm not helping nobody unless you you sign something because I've I actually when I I had this um project in Shreveport for oil and gas through Halliburton. They came to me. They offered me a good little deal. So I was like, oh, my trucks are already dedicated on an intermodal run in Houston. I can go ahead and get other people and help them get their trucking companies going. So I took five people. I really did help them get their trucks. Like They own their trucks. They only bought it for $25,000. Really good trucks. Some people, you know, trucks, it may be good and it may go down. I put them on the Shreveport Lane. But everything went to crap. The some the company got sold to somebody else. Like they really wasn't making any money, and I felt so bad. Like I was literally spending all of my profit from my trucks to make sure that they had what they had. Like the drivers, it was so bad that I think two, out of two weeks the check was fourteen hundred dollars. Oh wow! I'm like, what are we supposed to do with this? I was like, I gotta get these people struck from out here because I've helped them. Get to where they at. And I did charge a fee because it was my time. Like I charged, I think it was, I don't remember the amount, but I charged a fee to help them get the truck, get all of their licenses, permits, even LLCs. I made sure they understood how it worked and put their trucks on this lane. So I still did my part, but because somebody else dropped the ball, I wasn't able to really do anything. So I had to just take all their trucks back and bring them to Houston and I put them on my intermodal lane. But then 
Somebody's truck broke down on the first day. Then this truck will break down with my intermodal loads on this. This is my long standing customer. And they're like, Ashley, what are you doing? Right. They drivers ain't nothing. <laughs> like, so they was like, Ashley, if you ever, one of my brokers came to me and she was like, I will not accept you or I'm going to take your whole lane away if you put anybody else that you lease on to on this lane. So I had to drop them. It was either keep them on and lose everything I had and then nobody going to run or drop them and keep running and then try to help them find other companies that had the work at the time because I didn't have enough work to give them except that oil and gas. So it was one young lady. I'm not going to say no names. I don't like her. <laughs> God bless her, but oh, I don't Lord. like her. Okay. This one young lady, she wanted me to put her on my insurance. Her truck broke down the first first day it ran in Shreveport. It took her two weeks to get it fixed. I don't know if she thought I was supposed to fix it because, you know, in um, trucking world with the warranty, the warranty, warranty is not worth nothing in trucking at all, except for big, big parts, and they try to get out of it. So we drove her truck from Houston to Streetport to start the lane. On the first run, the driver got probably about 15 miles out to the sa- with a sandbox and broke down. So she wanted to use her warranty, which anybody would. The warranty declined her because they said the truck had been drove, driven for more than a 1,000 miles. But it was impossible because the truck sat at a yard for like months. She was upset because I wouldn't let her go get on my insurance and put on the lane that the broker told me absolutely not. If I find out it's not your truck, right. it's over with. It's it was even it was so bad to where the broker was requesting title papers. Oh wow. Like and that's how much power she had over me because she was paying me a good yeah. amount. Like back then she was paying me three dollars and fifty cents a mile. That wasn't even heard of back then. It was like two dollars a mile. Oh, yeah. One dollar and sixty-eight a mile. She was paying three dollars. I wasn't about to lose that for her. <laughs> so I told her no, but I tried to put her on, you know, with XPO or other power only companies that I had relationships with that was gonna put her on a local lane that was gonna get her together. But she just wanted to run for me and I told her no. So she went and told everybody I was a scammer. That hurt my heart because I do everything genuinely. Like I I literally I tried to help everyone, but that like tore me down mentally and it scared me. I didn't wanna do anything anymore. I didn't want to help anybody anymore, but I can't let one person block somebody else's blessing. I feel like I was meant to not only be in trucking, but to help other people. Anybody that works for me or I work with, I'm helping them out. It's up to you. You know, you already got it. <laughs> but anybody you come to or that's affiliated with me, if you ask them how they met me, they always going to tell you, Ashley believed in me and she's trying to help me do something more. Yeah. But she's trying to help me get to another level because I feel like anybody can do it. If I can do it, anybody can do it. And I genuinely tried to help this person and she called me a scammer. And that put me like in a place to where I don't want to network because what if I'm going to be called a scammer? Right. Like the TV shows that I've been approached with, I'm so scared. They asked me what was my background and I tell them, well, is there anything that's going to come out that's going to um, like put a state on your character? And the first thing I say is her like that. I got it. I just had to understand that, like, some people are going to be how they are. You're just going to have to let them talk. And I but I put up that wall and I had to realize, hey, what's meant for you is going to be for you. Nobody can take that away. And she can't call me a scammer. Look at this yard. <laughs> look, look at this yard. No I, I have proof is in the pudding. You want to see my bank account? I'm black out my numbers. But, <laughs> dude, what's scamming about me? Like, right. you know how many people out in help that can come up here and testify that, 
actually really did put me in another tax bracket, you can't call me a scammer. Because yeah. I'm really doing this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So once I got that in my head, oh, it was up. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I made me a course and all type of stuff to help other people. But that person, she made me, first off, I got lawyers. <laughs> You're not going to call me anything without getting these papers in your life. And I had a lawyer that they wanted to, you know, do a cease and desist and all that other stuff with her. But I said no, because I, I felt bad because I put her in that position to, you know, fail. But in the sense I didn't, I put her in a position to succeed. Now she she running the trucks and I'm proud of her. Right. But I that scamming stuff, don't call me no scammer, because I'm not no scammer. <laughs> I'm really doing this like no in real life. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> in yeah. real life. hundred percent. Yes, no. I'm just I'm but I'm just getting in the road to where I can publicly um network now and I'm okay with telling people my stories. I'm okay with telling people that I did not just Get it out the mud and succeed. I failed, failed twice before I succeeded once. Yeah, <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? And anybody can do it. No anybody doubt. Can do I, it. I love it. I love the transparency, all yeah. of that. So, real quick, let's that's a nice quick segue since we're talking about curriculums and courses and all that. Complete logistics services. Tell us about what you're teaching, surviving intermodal. Yes. Let everybody know what you have going on, what you have coming up, and basically what they're going to get from that. And what you're going to be doing, because it's not only one that time, right? Yeah. It's, it's for the future. So talk about it a little bit. Okay, so surviving intermodal is going over everything that you need to survive intermodal on down from the quotations, how to get in and out of the Houston port. But we're not only going over Houston ports because I have ran in Georgia. I have ran in South Carolina. Um, I I have not ran in New Jersey and I think Long Beach, but I do have people that have and they gave me their insight on it. And we've pulled so much information to where we can list some stuff um, on the course that will give you the information you need to succeed. Basically, right. um, I'm giving all of my connects and everybody that I use to make it to this point will be in attendance at this class on down from business credit. Um, the person that I use at Richie Brothers, he just told me actually this morning that he won't be able to make it, but all of his information will be in the presentation. Um, the lady who basically showed me how to leverage my business credit and uh, she helped me receive funding um, for equipment um, that I need to maintain my yard. She will be there and literally I received a hundred and I think it was a hundred and thirty thousand after working with her. For 30 days, mm. anybody can use that. This not just for any mode, intermodal. I have a FEMA director that's going to be there. So if you're into like government contracts or you want to be like an emergency, um, emer- emergency carrier, you can be that. Uh, we have somebody that will be there um, that's over a brokerage company. And we're also going to give you a tour over the Houston port and show you how the currents work, how imports and exports work. We have my dispatch team. They will be teaching live, showing like, examples from the broker that we used to use that's going to be there. Um, We're going to show load by load. We're also going to go over TMS systems, which you need to survive in model. And if you're not willing to, everybody can't afford to pay a monthly note on a TMS system. I get it. I didn't use that, but I did use a template before I did it. I created my own and I'm going to provide that for free for everybody. Okay. Um, we also have, well, I also have an online course. It's an interactive online course, that video that I told you about earlier, where we wanted to report and record it step by step. We're going to have that on the online course. So you can physically see if you weren't able to make it to the class virtually or in class, you'll, you'll be able to see basically the class on the online 
course. And you can see the videos. It'll walk you through everything. Uh, we have a book. If you're not, if you don't have time for the online course, we right. have an ebook or you can get paperback. It's the same thing as the online course without the videos. If you're not a visual person, um, we will be offering a mentorship. So you'll have direct access with my um, dispatchers or me. If you're on the fleet owner side and you want to, you know, get your, your fleet together, you can work directly with me. And when I get overwhelmed, I'll have somebody else that you can go with. But we also have our dispatchers that can help you dispatch. Because in intermodal, you it's not like regular dispatching. You can't just say, okay, I dispatched this truck and dispatched this truck. You have to have full full range with a carrier in order to dispatch. You can't be a outsourced dispatcher in intermodal. You can, but you can't. Mm-hmm. The, the the owner of the company has to give you full access to all their information in order to successfully dispatch them. Um and you can do that with a carrier's packet, but you'll need a little bit more than that. And it's very tedious on how to make sure you get paid. So our dispatchers will be able to give you like firsthand what to do. Okay. Okay. Got you. And to kind of start wrapping up, we're actually here on your spa- in your space on location. Mm-hmm. This is kind of like a, well, like a, 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 what do you call this? Like a modular building. Modular building. That's yeah. what I'm looking for. So you, you are building up here what what's the plans for this space tell everybody a little bit about what you have going on here so this um area that we're in right now is just our temporary drivers um area we have a warehouse that's on the ground that's kind of old that we're rebuilding and it's going to be like a driver's lounge kind of like a um, pilot or a loves they'll have full showers they have restrooms they have a lounge we'll also be leasing spaces because i did notice when i was in a shared um a shared parking lot the one thing that I didn't have was an office. I have an office at home, but it didn't help me for the employees that like my dispatchers when we needed to be side by side. And I didn't want them to be in my home, which they're always welcome in my home. But um, yeah, we'll be leasing offices for them. And then I have my main office, of course. Um, but our contain well, this yard, the original business plan was if to be like a lease truck yard. But it's now going to be a container depot. I will be housing all the major equipment lines, extra containers that cannot sit on the port yard. They'll be um, at our yard. So we'll have incoming and outgoing traffic um, with carriers picking up empty containers to do their exports from all around the world. Mm, that's dope. And how much, how much space is this? Uh, um, this is 10 acres. 10 acres. 10, 10 acres. acres. Yeah. It's not, it's big to me, yeah. but it's not that big to the poor, but it will hold a pretty good portion that's going to bring in a lot of revenue and create a lot of jobs. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. I love it. Man, this has been dope, Ashley. I, I got to learn a lot. Man, like, I'm, I'm, I'm I love it. I'm, I might have to jump into this intermodal game myself. Come on man. over. You take my class saying? first. I'm going to take the class <laughs> so I get in there right. You know what I mean? Yes. But now, nah, this has been dope. Thank you so much for inviting me here. Customarily on the show, we always have to have our guests give a final thought, and then we have to let everybody know where to contact you. So let's give you a final thought, which could be something entrepreneurial, spiritual, wherever you want to come from with it. Just come from the heart. And then lastly, let everybody know where to connect with you. Okay. Well, my final thought, what can I say? Never stop. Don't let anybody tell you you can't do it because you can. Intermodal is tedious but you can get through it anybody can do it um my name is ashley williams booker uh we will be hosting a class on may 21st 
in Houston, Texas, and we will be hosting our second class in Houston, Texas in September of 2022. And the dates will be coming soon. You can get in contact with me at info at complete logistics with the S service.com, or you can go to um, info at surviving We're also available on survivalintermodal.com. Um, you can go to the website and look up more information about the class, the online course, or the book. Um, we will not be selling a copy of the book or the online course until May 21st, our class. And if you do come to the class, you're going to get a lot of freebies and it may include the book and maybe the course. Mm. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> there you <laughs> go. If you can't respect that, what well, your whole perspective is whack. Hustle fam, you know what we do around this time. If you smell something burning, it's only your desire. Myself, Ramel, Ashley, Williams, Booker, we are out. If you twisted, confused, or stuck about trucks, don't be dumb. This is the place to come. Truck and hustle. Let's go.